Welcome to the SSPX Podcast, delivering sermons, lectures, and the spoken word from across the English-speaking world. We will continue with the 2019 parish mission delivered in St. Mary's, Kansas by Father Daniel Cheveria on the topic of happiness. This evening's conference is about our Blessed Mother, the Mother of Happiness. If you would like to support this podcast and future parish missions and sermons, please feel free to donate at sspx.gifts. In order to provide these for you for free, it does take resources, so any donations would be greatly appreciated and would help us to collect more of these in the future. Now, here's Father Cheveria. Thanks for braving the cold weather and coming out this evening. It's nice to see that some things in Kansas don't change. You only have to wait five minutes and it'll be warm again, I'm sure. We've seen our Christian life as being a life that's meant to be a a happy life, a life of happiness. We've seen that the only obstacle to that happiness that God has called us to and that God wants us to have is sin. And we've seen our Lord as the teacher of happiness, the, the teacher of how to live the life that God desires for us. Today, we're going to talk about Our Lady and tomorrow, St. Joseph as models and examples of that happiness. Several years ago, there was a priest who was studying in Paris. He was already ordained, but doing further studies after his ordination, sort of like graduate school work, if you want, for priests. And in a break during the semester, he decided that he wanted to go to Lourdes in southwestern France. He wanted to take the train from Paris to Lourdes because it was the fifth anniversary of his priestly ordination, and he had a very strong devotion to the Blessed Mother of Lourdes. However, there was a problem. He had enough money to pay for his train ticket to go down to Lourdes, but he didn't have enough money for the return ticket And needless to say, he didn't have enough money to live on while he was there. He intended to stay for nine days and to make a nine-day novita to go down to the grotto at Lourdes and pray in the morning and in the evening every day for nine days. So he hemmed and hawed, deciding about what he was going to do. He asked his brother if he could borrow money, but... Being his brother, he of course said no. (laughs) No, he he was broke as well. (laughs) He was a, a medical student living in Paris. But the priest finally decided, if I have enough faith in the Blessed Mother at Lourdes to work the miracles that she does, then I'm gonna have enough faith for her to take care of me. And I'm going to just go and risk it. So he paid his train ticket, took the train down to Lourdes. When he got to Lourdes and he was walking around looking for his accommodations, he decided, well, if Our Lady's willing to pay for a cheap hotel, she's probably willing to pay for a nice hotel too. 
So he got a room at the nicest hotel in Lourdes for nine days. And he made his novena. So he went down to the grotto in the morning and in the evening. By the ninth day, Our Lady hadn't come through yet. So he went in the morning of the ninth day, and then he went in the evening, still no money. He decided, well, she has a lot to do, a lot going on right now. I'll go back one more time to the grotto and just remind her. Sometimes mothers forget, you know. Perfectly understandable. So, he went back to the grotto a second time on the evening of the ninth day, around 10.30 at night. And he prayed there for an hour. 11.30, he's leaving the grotto, hardly anyone around at that time. And when he's leaving, a man stopped him and said, Father, excuse me, are are you an English speaker? Yes, I'm I'm American. Oh, great. Do uh, Do you speak French too, by chance? Yes. I'm here on a vacation from the States with my family, and none of us speak French. And we've been having some problems communicating, and we'd like to go to Paris from here and go around and see things in Paris. Is there any possible way you'd be willing to go with us from Lourdes to Paris and talk French for us and take us around? Do you know Paris? And the priest said, yeah, I know it well. I studied there. I'd be happy to go with you. And they were talking about plans and walking back to the priest's hotel. And they stopped at the door of the hotel. And then the priest said he was asked the most profound and interesting question he'd ever been asked in his entire priesthood by that man. That question was, Father, have you paid your hotel bill yet? (laughs) He said, oh, no, 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 I couldn't let you do that. I'll please, I have it right here. (laughs) And he said he out-fumbled the man, and then the man paid for his hotel and brought him back to Paris. The moral of that story is not to go places and not pay for things. I have to be careful because, you know, your rector was formerly the district bursar. And if you give the wrong impression, my stipend continues to go down. (laughs) And it's starting to get dangerously low. (laughs) the, The point of that story is that Our Lady understands faith. Our Lady appreciates faith and protects and rewards faith. Because Our Lady understands that the happiness that all of us, her children, are meant to have demands faith. Happiness demands faith. Our Lady understands that better than anyone. Look at the start of her vocation. Of course, her vocation began, in a way, in her Immaculate Conception, 
since all of the graces of her life are directed towards her divine maternity. However, her active engagement, let's say in her vocation, at the Annunciation, she receives the angel Gabriel, who tells her that she's going to be the mother of the Messiah. Her response is, how can that be, since I don't know man? She had a plan in her life of how she wanted to serve God. She wanted to be a virgin in the service of the temple, praying and sacrificing, and spent a life, a contemplative life of adoration. And now in a single instance, she finds out that her life's supposed to be something completely different. She's supposed to be a wife and a mother. What does she do? Immediate prompt response of acceptance. When she sees clearly what God's will for her is, even though it's a complete contradiction to her own plan, she immediately accepts it. No questions asked. Now you can tell me, that's nice, Father, but I don't have too many angels appearing to me, so I don't know if I'm quite in the same situation. Maybe not, but you have superiors that God has placed over you in one capacity or another. You have the directives and the laws of his church that are given to you. And you have the advice of people whom you respect. All of those things are God telling you over and over again what he wants in the circumstances of your life. When those circumstances go against your idea of how things should be, what's your response? That's the proving ground of your faith. And if you want happiness, you have to live a life of faith. I've had the pleasure of knowing for a while now a very complex and interesting man. And in that relationship, more like a mentorship for me, his responses to things always kind of escaped me. They would never be what I would have expected. No matter the situation, I couldn't get a read on him. Until once I was talking to an older gentleman who was a friend of this person, and he showed me a picture. In that picture, was this man as a little boy standing next to his mother. And the man showing me the picture commented, I've never seen anyone 
who so resembled their mother. I've never seen any son who so resembled his mother. In that moment, for me, everything clicked, since I knew his mother as well. And I saw the influence of her character, which was more simple than his, but fundamentally the very similar. And it helped me to understand him. And you can say the same about any person to one degree or another. They've been formed by their parents, which means they've been formed by their mothers. With Our Lady, it's the reverse. Our Lady is formed by her son. Now, of course, our Lord subjected himself to his parents in perfect obedience to live a life like ours, to give us the example. However, his divine nature and the perfection that he had and the perfect understanding of the will of his father was something that he educated his mother in throughout her entire life. And that education had one very specific goal. In order to explain what that goal is, I'd like to tell you another story. I had known an older priest for a while not a member of our priestly society, but he celebrated the, the Tridentine Mass, his entire priesthood, a contemplative soul, really a, a man of prayer. His rosary is always in his hand, at least every single time that I've ever seen him. He probably could give Padre Pio some, some competition. When I was in the seminary, actually when I just finished the seminary, I was having some troubles and I wanted to talk to somebody. So I went to talk to that priest who was at the time living in a retirement home. I went to visit him. He had his rosary in his hand, of course. And we walked together through the, the garden that was in the back of the retirement home. And I started to complain. On and on and on and on and on. I have all the vices of the Latins and none of their virtues, so complaining is very strong with me. And the other half's Irish, so it really doesn't get much better with the complaining, but... <laughs> I was complaining about my situation, about the way that things were, on and on and on. But actually, I didn't have the chance to go on for too long because he cut me off strongly. And all he said was, son, look, you don't know anything about suffering. And he said, our lady knows suffering. Go to her, and she'll teach you. 
And I said, good talk. Uh, <laughs> bye, Father. <laughs> and he went back to his, his room, and I left. And I haven't stopped complaining since then either, but at least now I understand that it's wrong. It's true, we, we don't know suffering. Some of us may know more about it than others, but Our Lady was formed by her son her entire life to understand sacrifice. Look at the presentation in the temple, what was supposed to be a happy moment in a mother's life. It's her firstborn son, and she's going through the ceremony of presenting him to the priest, in which the priest is supposed to give a blessing, say some consoling things, encouraging things to a young couple, so on. What is she here? Your son's going to be a sign of contradiction for the rise and fall of many in Israel, and your own soul a sword shall pierce. Not the normal happy message. She doesn't say anything, but she remembers and she thinks about it. But she knows that the destiny of her life, like you could say of any mother, is going to be intimately tied up in the destiny of her son. And that her son is going to be the cause of her suffering. Look at the finding in the temple. It's supposed to be, a, if stressful, a happy family trip to go for, for, the, for the feast to the temple, a religious ceremony, a festival, a happy occasion. Our Lord's lost. They look for him for days. They finally find him a 12-year-old boy speaking to all the doctors of the law, and they ask him what I think all of us would agree is a pretty legitimate question. Where have you been? Your father and I, and notice the discretion and the charity of the Blessed Mother in putting her husband first. She says, your father and I have been looking for you and we've been sad. Pretty legitimate question. What's the response? Didn't you know I was supposed to be about my father's business? Why were you looking for me? No explanation, no apology, no nothing. She understood then that she was going to have a separation from her son and there was going to be something about her son, at least until Pentecost, that was going to escape her understanding. I've heard, and I'm sure that you have too, people talk about how, in a way, how easy Our Lady had it. And, you know, Father, you say the Holy Family is the model of all families. It's supposed to be the model of my family. But, I mean, look, their kid was God. He didn't disobey, he didn't get into trouble, he didn't, I, it's kind of, maybe not, but Our Lady at a fundamental level couldn't understand her own child. She didn't know his mission. 
She knew things about it, but she didn't know it completely. She didn't know what would happen. She understood that there was some big plan that God had in place, but she didn't know what it was. She knew that she was going, it was going to be a cause of sorrow for her. And it got worse and worse throughout her life, all the way until the crucifixion. You could say that Our Lady understood less about her son from one aspect than any other mother. More about him in another because of her charity and the grace of God that was in her. But fundamentally, there was a lack of understanding on her part. And that for her was a cause of sorrow, anxiety, and suffering like it would be for any good mom. And as I said, it doesn't get any better <laughs> the further on that her life goes. She was asked, now you can't even say she was asked, God demanded that throughout her life she make acts of faith that were more and more difficult about the things that were closest to her heart. One painful separation after another all the way until Calvary. Happiness demands faith, and Our Lady shows us the model of how God forms a soul to be happy, and how God forms our faith. Because you can be sure that if God is going to treat his own mother that way, he's going to treat us that way too. You have to expect to have suffering from the people who are the closest to you or the things that matter the most to you or the plans that are dearest to your heart. And that's not just bad luck or lack of Christian values to go back to last night. <laughs> that's because God wants it that way. He wants you to suffer. Happiness is not the absence of suffering. Happiness is understanding suffering and the sanctification of the soul through suffering by faith. There was once an Italian priest who had an extremely successful apostolate. He had entered the seminary late after serving in the military and being involved in politics in Italy. He had completed his studies and earned a law degree in addition to his seminary formation. And he was very involved with a Catholic youth, university students, with the Catholic press writing hundreds of articles about the Blessed Mother. He had a very active and rewarding life as a priest. And he was a very happy person, kind of a practical joker, uh, really outgoing, very pleasant. One day, his superior said to him, 
Do you know this priest? He's, he's a famous exorcist. And our father said, yes. He said, he's, uh, his health isn't what it used to be. I'm sure we can all understand that from being an exorcist, probably. Your health would be likely to suffer a bit. His health isn't what it used to be, and he really needs an assistant. I want you to become the assistant priest to this exorcist. And the Italian priest said, you have to be joking. No, 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 no way. Me? An exorcist? I have this apostolate. I love my apostolate. We're doing all this great work. He was involved with the consecration of Italy to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. He said, we've done this and this and this. We can't. I, no. He said, no, no. Father needs help. You need to go with him and to be trained to become an exorcist yourself. And he said, okay, Father, that's ridiculous. I mean, it's me. I'm a practical joker. I'm, a, I'm not somebody that people take seriously. I, I can't become an exorcist. You're kidding. And he said, no, no. I want you to go meet with this priest and train and become an exorcist yourself. So the priest left his superior's presence. He behaved very virtuously because he manifested his reservations. He was honest with his superior. Didn't keep things inside, but he obeyed too. He went and prayed to the Blessed Mother. He had a strong devotion to Our Lady his entire life. And he said, in very Italian fashion, look, <laughs> if you want me to do this, you better be protecting me. Because there's no way that I'm going to go and fight the devil every day if you're not protecting me. Because we all know how that's going to turn out. And he said, his entire rest of his life, which was 30 years, spent almost exclusively in the ministry of being an exorcist, was spent in the protection, being protected by the Blessed Mother. And even at times during exorcisms, he said, the devils would speak through the possessed person and say, oh, we can't do anything to you. We can't touch you. She doesn't let us. You're too protected. It's that woman. We can't get to you. Our Lady protected him from the devil for the rest of his life. Our Lady will protect our faith. And she'll protect our happiness too. And especially here in this place, you have a special patronage from the Blessed Mother. You have that beautiful statue, Spanish, of course, like all beautiful things, in the back of the church of what we call Our Lady the Mother of Sorrows, which is very similar to another Spanish Marian title of Our Lady, 
Nuestra Señora de Soledad, Our Lady of Solitude, which is meant to honor Our Lady during the time when Our Lord was in the tomb, and we know that her faith was still active in his resurrection, which we're not sure of, of any of his followers. Our Lady's faith is the protection of our faith, and we have to go to the Sorrowful Mother to obtain that protection and to be reminded that happiness doesn't depend on the circumstances of our life. Happiness is a choice that you make. You're the one who decides if you're going to be happy or not. No one else. And you can't blame being unhappy on anybody else either. Because regardless of the circumstances of your life, the freedom to believe, trust, and love God, and belief comes first, is always there because God gives it to you and Our Lady protects it. Happiness is a choice. A choice that's under the protection of the Blessed Mother, who is herself formed in making that choice by her son because her son wants her and wants us to be happy and happiness demands faith. And when things are particularly difficult, she always has her husband to help her out, whom we'll see tomorrow. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen.